today we are going to conclude a series that we started a few weeks ago entitled when in doubt in this series we've been talking about the kind of doubt that a lot of believers grapple with in their lives and uh, we talked about the times when we doubt the truth of God's word um, or the truth of our Christianity we talked about doubting the call of God upon our life God has a purpose for every one of us and sometimes when God calls us to his purposes uh, we're like no I don't think that's it and uh, we have our doubts with it Uh, last week we talked about when you doubt the promises of God today I want to I want to conclude this by talking about when we doubt our healing when we doubt healing uh, we all sometimes grapple with infirmities in our spirit, sometimes afflictions in our body, addictions that we face in our lives. And uh, we believe that Jesus is our Savior, but we also believe that He's our healer and that He has come to heal us of our brokenness. And we are broken in a multiplicity of ways. We're broken mentally. We're broken in somehow, and sometimes in knowing how to relate to one another in our relationships, we get broken in our physicalities in our bodies. We suffer with sicknesses and illnesses, and we experience brokenness. and And these brokenness can become strongholds in our life. And uh, we want healing. We believe that Jesus is our Savior and our healer. But sometimes, when the healing doesn't take place, or when the deliverance doesn't happen we start to feel like maybe it's never really going to happen. Not for me. Maybe this is my cross that I have to bear. Well, I just want to go on record right now and say, fooey on that. That's not your cross. That's not what God had, that's not what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross. What he meant was, take up your cross. In other words, die to your will, die to your agenda, and follow me, get on board with my will and my agenda. And one of, one of the will of God, one, uh, a part of God's will for you is to be free, to be healed, to be delivered. Amen. And so we're going to talk about this today. I want to come from uh, a story I think we've all heard, and I've even referred to it in this series before. But I want to read the the story in its entirety, and it's found in Mark chapter 9. And so it's going to come up on the screen, or you can look there with me in Mark 9, beginning at verse 14. It says, And when Jesus came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them, the disciples? What are you arguing about? What are, what are you guys talking about? And verse 17 says, and then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and gnashes at his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and he said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, And said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, 
I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Everybody say no more. Are you ready for some no more deliverance in your life? Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead. So that they said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind can only come out by no, can come out uh, by nothing. I'm sorry, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So that's the word. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this story that isn't a fairy tale. It was an, it's a reality. And uh, I just pray today, God, that, that you would add um, revelation to your word today. God, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you want to say to us today by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen. amen. Awesome. So, I want to read you a verse of scripture that has the gospel in a nutshell, And it's found in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And it talks about there that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he was anointed with power. And he went around doing good to all people, and he would heal everyone who came to him. And he were, and this healing was that Jesus gave in spirit, soul, and body, in their mind, and their emotions, and their relationships. It was, it was, the, the healing was a deliverance from the oppressive works of darkness. Because Satan is behind it all. Jesus came to redeem us uh, through his blood on the cross. And he forgave us and he saved us from our sins and has forgiven us of all the sins that we've ever committed. He came to redeem us. He came to reconcile us to relationship with Father God, to restore relationship that had been severed by sin and by darkness and by brokenness. Jesus came also, though, to restore us in our lives in every way, in every dimension, where we have been broken by human existence and where we've been struggling in our lives and where things have happened to us and pits that we have fallen into and things that were perpetrated upon us and those things that happen to us oftentimes become bondages in our lives that get a hold on our mindset and and we believe lies about those things. But Jesus came not only to forgive us of our sins, but to heal us of our brokenness, and to save us, and to heal us, and to deliver us. And I love this story in Mark chapter 9 because it's a picture of the problem of our human existence, that we are people that have been broken by sin, and we're bound without Christ. We're bound by a kingdom of darkness, and we don't even realize it, but the Bible's very clear about it, that when we were without Christ, we lived in a world of darkness, And we were blinded by the God of this age. And Satan has dominion over the earth, so to speak. He's a a powerful force in the earth. And wherever he can wreak havoc, he does. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But this story gives us a, a picture of our, our condition, and, and it shows that we really are, in a way, in a way, we were born into this world victims of a cosmic battle for our soul, that there has been a warfare to destroy our lives, and just as God had a plan for your life, so Satan has a plot against your life, and he's going to do whatever he can to destroy you, and this story also shows us that there's a great miracle working power though that is available to those who believe in Jesus and who will come to him and this this shows us how that against all odds we can believe for healing 
for deliverance, for restoration in our lives. So in this story, as we read it here today, when Jesus comes onto the scene, he encounters, if you remember, disputing scribes, a disillusioned father, a demonized boy, and defeated disciples. When he comes on the scene, this is what he he encounters. And when he learns what was going on and what happened, he cries out, he laments, and he says, O faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to bear with you? In other words, Jesus was like, to the disciples, to the demonized, to the scribes, to the Father even, He's saying, where's your faith? He's saying to all of them, where is your faith today? Where, when, what will it take for you to know and to believe that I have come to set you free? I have come to deliver you. I have come to heal you. You don't have to live in this dysfunction. You don't have to live in this dominion of darkness. You don't have to live under this possession and this domination of hell itself. You don't have to live in your sickness. You can be free. You can be healed. You can be restored. How long do I have to be here to prove it to you? Amen. And I feel like those words of Jesus are ringing across the earth today. Oh, faithless generation, what will it take for you to know that you can be free and healed today? Amen. I'm not mad if you're new. I just yell a lot. Amen. I want to I talk today about doubt defeating faith. Believing for a miracle believing for a healing, believing that you can be free from your struggles, from your infirmities, from your afflictions, from your addictions. God wants to set us free. When I was looking at this story, I've done this kind of thing before, but I saw four main players in this story. I saw the scribes, I saw the dad, I saw the son, and I saw the disciples. And I wondered now, 2,000 years later, in retrospect, if we were to talk with them what these folks would tell us about not doubting your healing, what they might say to us today. And I, so I want to take this approach today as though we're the kind of the interviewers of these, uh, these persons and And so if we were to ask the scribes, now the scribes were not really followers of Jesus, but what would they say to us about not doubting the healing power of God? And I think the scribes now in retrospect would say something like this, stop debating God's will and just do it. When Jesus came onto the scene, he saw and he heard an argument between the scribes and the Pharisees, or not the the Pharisees, the disciples. And he heard them debating among themselves and arguing back and forth. And even Jesus, when he sees this and hears this, he asks the scribes, what are you arguing with my disciples about? What's going on here? And I believe in the context of the story that they were arguing with the disciples over this this claim that they had the ability given to them by Jesus to heal the sick and to have power over demons, but they couldn't do it. And we already know that Jesus had already, by this point, had given authority to his disciples. Back in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says that Jesus gave his disciples power over unclean spirits. And they had already exercised power over unclean spirits. But in this particular instance, They tried and they failed. It didn't work. And there were these scribes over there that saw what was going on and they said, oh, we thought you had power. You said that Jesus said that you had power. And look at you, you prayed for this person and you believed, you you stepped out in faith and tried to cast out this devil and you didn't have any power. You, You weren't able to do it. And so they began to debate 
whether or not this is God's word and this is God's way and this is God's will and is this the truth? You know what scribes are? Scribes are, were men in the Old Testament and in the New Testament days. They were the people who studied the law. They copied the scriptures word for word. They were meticulous recorders of the Bible of that time, and they also wrote a lot of commentaries. The problem is, it was their commentary on what they thought God meant and what they said that God said, which isn't always the truth. Just because you have a YouTube channel and you can, and you can come against people of opposing beliefs than you, that doesn't mean you're right. It, mean, it could mean that you're a scribe. Amen. Don't get me started. (laughs) A scribe was a a person who knew how, scripturally speaking, now hang with me on this, they knew how because they were meticulous rewriters of the Word of God. So if anybody should know the Word, a scribe should know the Word. And in And in their ideology of the Word of God, they knew how to cross the T and dot the I. But Jesus said of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jews of the day, He said, you guys search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but you don't see the living Word of God standing right in front of you, talking about Himself. You know the law, but you don't know the law incarnate. And you know, you and I can become so Bible-based in our understanding of God's Word that we can actually miss the point and start debating whether things are true or right. And so the scribes of Jesus' day were concerns understanding Jesus They were crossing their I's and dotting their T's instead of the other way around. They were getting it mixed up. Scribes are a picture of people who are prone to debate and argue God's word over putting it into practice. Well, I don't know. God, well, why doesn't God heal? Why didn't God heal that person? Why doesn't, I've been praying about deliverance. I've been praying about this addiction in my life, but it doesn't happen. Well, maybe it's not supposed to happen. Maybe this is the way it's supposed to be for me. And I'm here to tell you that a scribe like people are people who find scriptures to support their experience rather than finding or believing in scripture to define their experience. When things don't happen as we know the Lord has taught us and said to us, we start to debate it, we start to argue it, we start to fuss over it, rather than believe it. And I'm here to tell you, the scribes would tell us today, they would say to us today about believing for your freedom, believing for your healing, stop debating whether or not it's God's will, and go after it. Amen. Amen. Let's talk to the Father, though. What would the Father say? If we ask him, how do we, how do we overcome this doubt and believe for healing? I believe the Father would say something like this. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it never will. You've been struggling with something. Something's been hanging on. Think of this father who had this child who was possessed of a devil. And the stronghold of the enemy had gripped the heart of his own son. I'm sure his heart was broken over it. I'm sure this father, in fact, the scripture tells us that the father had brought the son to the disciples. He actually brought him to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there. How many times have we all felt like, where are you, God? But Jesus wasn't there, so he went to Jesus' disciples and asked them, Asked the disciples to cast the devil out, but they could not. And so the father brought him to Jesus, and he said, and Jesus said, basically, and the father said to him, in the long story short, if you can do anything, the father said, if you can do anything, listen to his voice, if you can do anything, heal my son, deliver my son. And Jesus said in so many words, if I can do anything, 
The problem isn't with me. If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Jesus isn't, the if isn't about Jesus' ability to do it. The if really boomerangs back on you and me. If you can believe, if you will believe, you can be free. If you will believe, you can be healed. Well, I've tried, and I'm sure the Father would say that. This poor father, when Jesus comes up onto the scene, he, he's disillusioned and he's discouraged at yet another failed attempt to get his son free. And I'm sure that by this time in his life, he's gone to many different physicians. He's taken out many different prescriptions on drugs. Amen. I read where someone said, in America, we, we haven't lost faith. We've just transferred faith from God to medicine. Anyway, I'm just, that was somebody else. I didn't say that. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. But I'm sure he's tried many physicians and many doctors and many exorcists to this point. But nothing has helped. Now he came to Jesus, and as I said, Jesus wasn't even there, and then he went to the disciples, and they couldn't do it. And it seems like sometimes it just feels like you're, it's never going to happen, does it? doesn't it? Like I'm never going to get free of this. Like I'm never going to be able to overcome this addiction, this struggle in my life, this area of brokenness that I'm dealing with. It's just never going to happen. It's just never going to happen for me. It may, I, I hear people talk about it. But it's not, it, doesn't, it looks like it's just going right around me. It's just going right around my life. It's not, it doesn't mean anything to me. But I, I want to, I believe the Father would say something different to us today. He says, you need to know, just because it hasn't, doesn't mean it, no, it won't. And learning from the Father, I think we see two really important little keys that we need to apply to our life, and I'm going to use them. And the first word is determination. You're going to need some determination to get to Jesus. Be determined. The father brought his son yet again. The father brought his demonized child one more time. One more time. It may be just one more time. You know that scripture that says a righteous person falls and then gets up seven times. In other words, you keep falling, you keep getting up. If it doesn't, if it keeps not happening, you keep going after it. It takes determination for the will of God to be done in our lives. On our part, we have to stick with it. And the father wasn't willing to give up. He just kept coming back. And Jesus taught us. He said, you and I will have to ask and keep on asking and seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking. For the person who keeps on asking will keep on receiving. And the person who keeps on seeking will keep on finding. And the person who keeps on knocking, the door will keep on being open to them. But you can't stop. And you can't say, it's not for me. It's not God's will for me. No, God wants you to be free. God wants you to be healed. God wants your life to be restored. Your marriage saved. This addiction broken. But we got to keep coming one more time. Amen. Are you out there? Everybody okay? Online, are you out there? Give me a big amen out there takes determination, but it also takes desperation. Desperation, again, remember what the Father said, if you can do anything. Jesus said, it's not, it's not if I can do anything. I can do it if you can believe. And the Father said, I do believe. That's why I'm here. But oh, I see where I don't too. I see where I'm weak. I see where my doubts sometimes get in the way and are a block to me stepping in to what you have for me. 
And he, I, love, I love his desperate cry. I believe, but help my unbelief. Because I have them. The father cried out for help. It was a desperate cry for God to give him more faith. How many of you know that faith really is a gift from God? God, increase my faith. You say, I'm struggling to believe this. Well, instead of sitting there sulking over it, ask God to increase your faith. Ask God to increase your faith. God, give me more faith to believe. I'm, I'm crying out for more faith to believe. I want to step into being that person I see and admire in so many others who seem to have so much faith. Well, how do you think they got there? Well, they, didn't, they weren't born there. They had to walk their way there. They had to trust their way there. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. Faith can increase, but you've got to get desperate for it. Say, I believe, I do believe, I do believe that I am going to get free. I do believe that I'm going to be restored. I do believe that I'm going to be healed physically. But God, help my unbelief. Give me more. Give me more. I, I need more. Give it to me, God. Amen. You know, why, you know why that prayer is really good? Because the Bible says, how many of you know that God's will is for you to have great faith? Come on, that's his will. Well, we know here if we pray according to his will that we have already what we've asked for because that's his will. He wants me to be a person of great faith. Trust him and believe in him. Amen. Remember what Hebrews 11 verse 6 says. It's impossible to please God without faith. God is pleased when he sees people with faith. And this is what faith is. When you come to him, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is ready to move on your behalf if you'll trust him. And I want to remind you too in a scripture that came to mind earlier in prayer that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. So we just need to say, God, do it. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up, he's talking to you. Go ahead and tell him that. We're talking about doubt-defeating faith. The scribes would say, stop debating whether it's God's will for you to be free, be healed, be delivered, and just go after it. And the Father, I think, would say something like this, just because it hasn't happened, hang on. Hang with it. Stay in there. Because it's coming. Let's look at the son. I think the son, in retrospect, might say something out of his own experience. Just keep coming to Jesus, who alone can set you free. Where do you go when you're bound? Where do you go when you're struggling? Where do you go when you have things that are tearing you up? I'm going to tell you where you go. You go to Jesus. Amen. You go to Jesus. Jesus said, bring him to me. Isn't that beautiful? That says it all right there. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Bring that demonized child to me. Come to me. Go to Jesus. Stop going to the thing that you think is going to give you that immediate satisfaction. And it will, but it wears off after a couple of hours. Go to Jesus. That's where your answer is. Jesus is your answer. Jesus said, bring him to me. And when he brought him, the Bible said, when the boy saw Jesus, the spirit within him convulsed him threw him to the ground, and he wallowed, and he was foaming at the mouth. And uh, we would think of this as some sort of epileptic seizure, but the Bible says it was an unclean spirit. That's what the Bible says. 
And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, and he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him and to enter him no more. I believe God wants to do a no more work here today. Amen. But the words bring him to me, say it all. Because when they did, and when they did come to Jesus, just get ready. I just want to remind you that the devil doesn't want to give you up. He doesn't want to give up easy. And when they were bringing the child and the child saw Jesus, the spirit, that evil spirit, that unclean spirit within him, had one last round at him, threw him to the ground. This is where sometimes the battles are won and lost because when we're coming to Jesus, everything of hell wants to stop you from getting your victory. And in a sense, if I could use this in a spiritual sense, starts throwing you around emotionally, mentally. Amen. I don't have any applications for foaming at the mouth and all of that, but you get my point. There's, it's, does, he doesn't want to give up. He won't give up easily. And when we experience the struggle as we're coming to Jesus, the intensity, when we experience that in our lives, we sometimes give up right there. And we think, see, it didn't work. But in coming to Jesus, hell still was fighting the whole way. Jesus is there. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and cast him out and said, Never again. Don't despair. Just keep coming to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who sets you free. And how does Jesus set us free? Well, what he's going to do, that he's, there's a couple of things that I think are really important. He's going to release you. He's going to release you from past brokenness. Jesus said to the Father when he saw this going on, how long has this been going on, what we're seeing here? And the Father said, since he was a child. So we know he's probably more like a young man, maybe even a young adult. And the father says, this has been going on since he was little. Let me tell you something. Satan has had his designs on your life to plot God's plan and purpose for your life since the day you were born. And there are places where he has sought to come in and bring a harm into your spirit and into your heart that not everything sticks, but some things do. And usually the things that stick are the lies that we believe of the issue that we went through. And the problems that we're struggling with today and the places where we're wallowing in today and the places where we find ourselves thrown about today are traceable to some lie, to some brokenness, to some attack in our past. And Jesus comes to set us free and when he does, he deals with all of it. He's not just dealing with the present problem you're having. He gets all the way back to the case history of your own life. And he gets to the core. And he releases you and I from that. Jesus said, I have come to set people free. He said, and this is why it's so important. He said, anyone who abides in my word and my, are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. And see, so the Lord has come to set us free, and part of that process is just keep coming to Jesus, keep abiding in Jesus, keep abiding in his word, just keep coming to Jesus, because he is the key to your freedom. Jesus alone. And so... How does Jesus set us free? He releases us from past brokenness. But he also will raise us up into newness of life. The Bible said when Jesus cast out the devil, that the spirit, 
the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly, but he came out of him. Everybody say, he came out of him. He came out. He, he has no authority in your life once you come to Jesus. You keep coming to Jesus, Satan has no authority where Jesus is Lord. Come on. Jesus is Lord. It's right here on our billboard. Jesus is Lord. And Satan can't live where the Lord is the Lord. Woo, come on now. And so he came out of him. And then the Bible said the boy became as, listen to these words, he became as one dead. And they said, he's dead. Great. Great way of delivering people. Kill them, Jesus. And that, that's what some of us want to do. We'd rather die than go on with this pain. But he says, they said, he's dead. But look, look at verse 27. It says, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus <clears throat> took him up. But he arose. Jesus lifts you up, but you got to get up in the power of Jesus, in the power of his word. Jesus would say to people who, were, who couldn't walk, when he would heal them of the infirmity, of, of the inability of walking, he would say, take up your bed and walk. It's my word, it's my power, it's what I say, but you got to get up. Don't stay down. Don't embrace your brokenness. Don't, don't lay there on that mat and say, this is my life, and live like you're a victim. You're not a victim anymore. When Jesus says something to you, when he brings a truth to you, rise up in that truth. Let Jesus' word and life lift you up, but you got to arise. Remember, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is the one who walked out of the tomb. Jesus raised him up from dead to life, but he had to, Lazarus was the one who had to basically hop out of the tomb because he was bound from head to foot. He didn't walk out, he hopped out. Amen. But he had to come forth. Jesus is speaking life to you. Jesus can heal you. Jesus can restore you. Jesus can set you free. But you've got to rise up and walk it out in your life. Amen. So Jesus has given you the authority of his word. His life pulsates through your life. You have resurrection life in you. That's what you have. That's why the resurrection and the of Jesus is so important for us because Paul said, I'm praying that you would understand, that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would see clearly the power that is in you. What kind of power? The same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Stop walking around like a Christian zombie, living off of other people, and live your life. Amen. And be free and be healed and be delivered. Amen. We need to die to ourselves and to this brokenness so that we can live. And that's what happened to that young boy. He fell dead as if he was dead. But Jesus raised him up and he arose. Amen. Let's ask the disciples how to have doubt-defeating faith. And I think the disciples, in retrospect, would say something like this, overcoming faith, victorious faith, prevailing faith is disciplined faith. Overcoming faith is disciplined faith. So after the whole episode was done, you remember the story? The father brought his demonized son to the disciples, and the disciples tried, and they failed. Now, other times they had done it. They had cast out devils. We know this from the Scriptures. They had already been, they'd been down this road, and they had done it. They, they experienced some victory in their lives. But here was a case where they bumped up against the enemy, and they, 
it looked like they didn't have it anymore, or it wasn't there for them. And so they were defeated. They were discouraged. Anybody know what that feels like? And so they went back to the house with Jesus. And when they came into the house, the disciples said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? We've done it before. We've seen it before. We know it's true. We, we know that you told us that we could do this. You've already given us the authority. Why couldn't we do it? And you know what? They asked a very simple, clear question. And Jesus gave them a very clear and simple answer. This kind that you dealt with here today, this requires prayer and fasting. Amen. There are no quick fixes. There are no easy, you know, there, 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 are, there are, the Bible teaches that there are levels of, of strongholds and levels of dominion and darkness and principalities in the world all around us. And there are some things that come easier than other things. But oftentimes we want everything to come under the quick fix. And then we wonder why it didn't happen. It's because there are some parts, there are some issues of darkness that are stronger than other issues. And Jesus says the answer is you got to go deeper and you got to have, you got to discipline your faith and take your faith to a, ne- a deeper level in me so that it can be stronger. And a stronger faith is a more overcoming faith, a more prevailing faith. See, you can't live, you know, remember the story of the prophet Ezekiel when he was taken by the Lord along a river and he went through and at first he was ankle deep and then he took him down a little bit further and then he was waist deep and then he took him down a little bit further and then he was chest deep and he took him out to a place where he couldn't even swim across. It was, he was in over his head and that's a picture of the life-giving power of God. You can stay in ankle deep, but that's not where God wants you to stay. That level of faith is not where God wants you to stay. He wants us always to be going, progressing, going further, going deeper and deeper in our faith because some things can't get taken care of in ankle-deep kind of faith. We got to get in over our head. Come on now. How do I do that? Well, Jesus mentioned prayer and he mentioned fasting. And what is he talking about here? This prayer and fasting, uh, Jesus said that if you have this kind of life where you're seeking God and you're drawing near to God, it will bring you closer to the heart of God, which will put you in line with God's power in your life to be activated. And it's these prayer and fasting is an expression of our total dependence upon the Lord. Prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is calling upon God and living in deep communion with Him. That's what prayer is. If you don't have a prayer life today, it would be really good to apply yourself to meeting with the Lord ongoingly, daily. Well, at least the Bible said continuously. Amen. Drawing near to the Lord, talking to God, letting God talk to you. And when you get into the secret place of his presence in prayer, God shows you things. He reveals things to you. He helps you to see where you're at and where he wants you to be. And he equips you and makes you ready for the strongholds and the attacks of the enemy and the, the afflictions of your heart and, the, and the, the, the bondages that you're dealing with. God can help you and show you where you need to shake off the bondage. Amen. In prayer. Fasting is that that discipline of selflessly pursuing the heart of God where you, in the Bible, when we talk about fasting, it doesn't mean fast social media. There was no social media. It meant fasting food. Amen. Come on, can I get a a quiet amen out there? It means, fasting means to Push the plate away and pursue the heart of God. But fasting isn't about 
I remember Jack Hayford said this many years ago. He said, fasting isn't, you know, me forsaking food and trying to earn God's pleasure. Fasting isn't about earning anything. It's about learning God's pathway for my life. When I push the food away and I seek God and I'm fasting, There is something, I don't know how to describe it, I don't know how to explain it, but there is something about it that is, it's like a powerful weapon against all the forces of evil coming against you. As you fast, as you push the food away, if you've got some stronghold in your life, if there's some addiction in your life, if there's some issue, an area that you need healing in your marriage, in your personal walk, in your mind, in your thinking, in your habits, whatever the case may be, Fasting could be the key to get you through this particular stronghold in your life. Amen. I'm I'm only reiterating what Jesus said. The disciples said, how come we didn't have authority over this particular demonic spirit when they had success in other ways? And Jesus said, this one, this one takes another level of discipline in your life. And this is something that the Lord, I think, is calling us to because God has come to set the captive free. And Jesus said, these things that you see me do, you shall do, and greater than these. And I'm here here to tell you, the Lord says, you can do the same works that I've been doing. You can cast out devils. Cast them out. Amen. Discipline, faith, trains us. Right out of quick fixes. And some of us just want to release without the development of our faith to take dominion over darkness. But God's not about that. He wants to to raise up people who are strong in the faith. Amen. Prayer and fasting and the word and fellowship and giving and serving. These are all disciplines that must be a part of our life that strengthen our faith and give us power against the dominion of darkness. And here's the deal. Julie, would you come and play for me? This is, this is the, here's, here's the deal. We all probably got some struggle, some area, or some issue in our life where we could use some healing, some addiction, some struggle, some area of brokenness. As I was sharing with you today, this story is a picture, and it's a very... You know, it's, a, it's kind of an out there picture, but I believe it presents something that the Lord by his spirit wanted us to understand that when you pull back the veil of our kind of lives and look behind what's going on behind the scene, this is the kind of stuff that's going on behind the scene. Darkness, demonic oppression, even possession in some cases. And hell is trying to destroy your life. He's trying to destroy your, your future, your walk, your marriage, just every part of our lives. But Jesus said, don't be faithless. Believe. Stand in. Operate in who I am. And I think Jesus wants us to come to him today. So, right where you're sitting, will you just, let's just take a moment real quick here. Would you just close your eyes and let's just let's just have a moment just I know we're a room full of people but if we could somehow just kind of make it between me and God right now and I don't know if you would how honest you want to be with yourself but I want you to think about that issue in your life where there's a stronghold there's an issue there's a there's a, there's a root issue in you, and you know it, and you know that God knows it, and you've given up a long time ago about being healed here. I'm here to tell you today, God wants to set you free. And if there's just something in your life, maybe you could do, I'm just putting my hand kind of on my chest, over my heart. I'd invite you to do the same thing. And I would just invite you right now to just say, Jesus, I'm bringing this to you. You don't have to say it out loud. You just say, Lord, 
I'm bringing this addiction to you. I'm bringing this lie to you. I'm bringing this anger and resentment to you. I'm bringing this struggle with pornography to you. I'm bringing this hatred in my heart against this person to you. I'm bringing this sickness in my body. In fact, in fact, let me just pause while we're doing this. Some of the sicknesses that we face physically really have at their core a spiritual root problem. And so we can pray about the physical affliction, and that's fine. We can do that. But maybe God would say and God would show you what issue that it may be coming from. And you just need to bring it, bring it to him. Bring it to him right now. Just with your hand on your heart, just say, I'm coming to you, Jesus. I'm coming to you with this. I want to be healed. I want to be healed of this lie. I want to be healed of this infirmity. I want to be healed of this affliction in my mindset. God, I can't seem to change the way I think. I can't seem to change the way I feel about this thing or this person. But I'm coming to you, Jesus. I'm bringing it to you, Jesus. And in your name, I cast it out. Literally, just say, in the name of Jesus, I cast this out of me. You have no, you have no authority here and enter me no more. I'm not saying you're demon-possessed, but just you are definitely oppressed. And if, and if, there's, if that's happening in your life, just, just cast it out. Be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. I die to this. I die to this right now. I'm dying to it right now. I profess death to it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, lift me up. Lift me up, and I'm going to rise with you, God. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to step out into this new life that you have for me. I'm going to walk in this freedom, and I'm going to walk in this healing right now in Jesus' name. Heal me, Lord. I don't want to doubt your healing. I want to believe for it, God. I want to have the kind of faith that defeats the doubts, that overcomes the doubts. Give it to you right now, Jesus. Would you all stand with me right now? Can I have those who are going to be praying for people, if you would go ahead and come on up at this time? And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity if you want to take it one more step in your prayer life and you want somebody to pray with you about anything, physically, emotionally, spiritually, we, we invite you to come and receive prayer today. But can we, just right where we are, just lift our hands to the Lord Jesus Christ and just honor Him in this room right now? Come on, just write out loud, just speak your praises to the Lord. Lord, we love you and we honor you in this place. And we thank you, God, that you have come to set us free. We thank you, Lord, that there is healing, there is deliverance, as well as salvation. And Lord, we believe for it today. We do not want to be a faithless generation. No. We want to believe and know that we can be free and that by your, in, in your name we could set the captive free. God, help us to go out and extend this freedom to people all around us, everywhere we go. People that are broken and hurting. Lord, we love you. We give ourselves to you completely and fully today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.